Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I couldn't be better today, Tim. I'm doing quite fantastic. Our guest that we have on really stepped up. We had him on. The date was... Friday the 13th, so we were all very nervous about what might happen, and I think we rose to the occasion here, so the listeners are going to enjoy this one, I believe, and I think the listeners are also really going to enjoy knowing how you are. (laughs) Well, I am doing well. We're closing in on Halloween Day, Lance, the uh, the day where the the veil is the thinnest between our worlds, and, uh, well, we really explore that in this conversation with comedian and podcaster Mark Chavez. Uh, Actually, no, we don't really explore that at all but we do explore horror movies and his podcast let's make a horror that's produced by the cbc and it includes him maddie kelly and ryan beal and this is the third season of their podcast they did one that was let's make a rom-com one that was let's make a sci-fi basically the premise is people who have no experience making films will get together and they will take a genre and try to do a short film. And they document this in the podcast. So it's a really unique and fun concept. Highly recommend it. And as you'll hear in this interview, Tim and I were both a little bit disappointed that Mark was actually not a horror fan. And you and I came to the discussion very excited. We had a list of movies I think both of us <laughs> were going to talk to him about. And and he, and he was like, yeah, I know. I just realized like I wasn't a horror fan. I, I do enjoy those movies, but no, just really not my, my genre. <laughs> Well, we forced him to talk about it anyway. So, And he was a good sport about it. So check out their podcast. It's called Let's Make a Horror. You can find it on your favorite podcatcher. And the one question that we never got to with him is which one he is on their logo. Their logo is fantastic. And there's a Bride of Frankenstein. There's a Dracula character. And there's a Wolfman character. And I was curious which one he was. So maybe we'll reach out to him separately. I'm going to say Wolfman. Yeah, I kind of feel like the same, but... I don't know. Dracula's looking at the the image taker yeah. on the logo, and he seems to be the main host, so maybe that's it. Well, we'll get to the bottom of that, and when we do, folks, we'll let you know. And Tim, if people wanted to hear this episode without the commercial breaks, where would they find this episode plus every single other episode we've ever done? of every show. Listeners can subscribe to Crawlspace Premium on Apple Podcasts, but if you're not an Apple user, you can go to crawlspace.supportingcast.fm and sign up for Crawlspace Premium there. You get ad-free releases, early episodes, and our weekly bonus show that everybody loves. Okay, we're going to take a quick break for commercial here, and we'll be right back with Mark. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And a thank you to our sponsors. Back to the program. Welcome to the podcast, Mark Chavez. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? How are both of you? We're doing great. I can't speak for Tim so much as myself, but I'm assuming he's doing... I'm terrified. 
Terrified. I'm terrified, <laughs> oh. Tony Lance. It's, it's Friday the 13th. I know. What a day. What a perfect day to talk about scary things. Let's do just that. Let's talk about scary things on Friday the 13th in the middle of October, no less. But before we get to all of these things that we're very excited to talk about, who are you? Let's, let's let our listeners know who you are and you have a really cool show. <laughs> yeah, my name is uh, Mark Chavez. I'm a, I'm a host of a, uh, a podcast called Let's Make a Horror that just launched a couple days ago. The first episode is out. This is the third season. The first season was called Let's Make a Sci-Fi, followed by Let's Make a Rom-Com. And the concept is three comedians try their darndest to make an earnest attempt at writing a horror short film. Writing and then shooting and making it. We are not experts in the field, so we learn a lot. We talk to a lot of uh, we talk to a lot of experts, talk to a lot of big players in the in the horror field, and you can listen to us bumble around. It's kind of a docu series. It's comedy. Obviously, it's also horror. Very good. Tell me a little bit about your career in comedy. Yeah, I have a weird career. I think <laughs> I'm originally from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I uh, I went to university there. I studied writing and uh, theater, and then I started touring uh, a duo called the Pajama Men. Uh, myself and a, and a guy named Shanoa Allen, who I went to uh, high school with. Actually, we toured around, and that kind of caught fire in an indie way. Uh, we did the Edinburgh Fringe, and it did really well. And then we started doing runs on the West End, and we would travel the world. We got a lot of um, TV and film hits and interest. We wrote a few things. We shot a couple things. We made a splash in that way. And then while we were touring, I had kind of met my now wife and and settled in Vancouver where I do an improv show here uh, once a week called The Sunday Service. I act and write and I do a little theater. I do TV and film. Been in a few commercials. (laughs) I've been in too many commercials. I've been in and out of the space for a really long time, about 25 years. And um, here I am making this podcast with a great company called Kelly and Kelly. We partner with the CBC who uh, produced this show. And uh, here we are. And you said you started off with let's make a sci-fi. Did this just generate organically out of conversations that you were having with your peers? You know, well, let's just make a movie. Let's make a rom you know, because I feel like that sentence is is said a lot in the creative circles. Let's just do it. Let's make one. <laughs> the the uh, the original uh, concept I think came from um, Pat Kelly or Chris Kelly, the two the two unrelated heads of Kelly and Kelly. They just thought it was a funny idea for for comedians to try to be serious about science fiction because science fiction is inherently like it's really easy to make fun of and fun to uh, to uh, spoof. And they wanted to get three people who were like you know cut ups you know trying to talk seriously about a science fiction idea but the the kind of weird twist is that my co-host ryan and i were both like pretty big science fiction fans so we were just like yeah let's do this our other host maddie kelly we went into rom-coms next she's like she has like an encyclopedic knowledge of romantic comedy she's very good at it and so we had these kind of experts like real fans making these shows but the success of let's make a sci-fi kind of kind of made us move into another genre like let's like let's try romantic comedy and i was like originally i was like well we can't do romantic comedy it has comedy in the name like we're, we're supposed to be like out of our element here you know but i didn't realize how actually out of our element we would be i thought rom-coms would be easy and it was like there's a formula but the trick is to not be formulaic and which is impossible it was really difficult like i really gained a lot of respect for that genre and then horror we came to that without any of us being big fans and it was kind of because of that that we wanted to get into it and it turned out i was i was a bigger fan than i than i realized you know i think a lot of people might be fans of horror that don't even realize they are so how did you come to realize that you were a fan of horror when you didn't know that you were a fan of horror 
one of my all-time favorite movies is is called An American Werewolf in London. Yes. That's a horror comedy. So I was like, already, I was like, oh, well, that's like one of my favorite movies. It happens to be horror. The Thing is so good. And I, I grew up watching like Poltergeist and, and The Shining. You know, just like these movies that are like, like have big cultural impact. You know, they're, they're horror films, you know, whether they're psychological horror, or like bloody horror, or, you know, monster movies or whatever. Like they're, they're big. It's a fun genre to, to look into because there's just so many so many types of horror movies the cultural impact of these horror movies do you think that that's lost on the audiences like the mass audiences that there is a cultural impact with horror movies because maybe they're not dismissed but they're categorized as as a slasher and and that's pretty much what it is and they don't get credited for being as culturally significant as like say you know I don't know why the the movie My Left Foot just came into my head, but you know, some a movie like that, you know. <laughs> what? A, where the My Left Foot? Daniel Day Lewis? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't, I don't know. It just popped. A very dated reference. I love I that think, you pulled that out. <laughs> I think I was thinking of severed bodies, like severed oh yeah, body yeah, parts, and that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, films like My Left Foot and Born on the Fourth of July. Yeah. <laughs> These two movies. Um, uh, I I think exactly that, and and I can only speak for myself because I I think my first, well, the first thing I think of when I think of like I'm making a, I'm a horror aficionado is like oh you like blood and guts and gore and you're weird and you should be put in a closet. I think that's part of it for sure, but I you know the the bloody part of horror is just definitely a thing. But yeah, I think it is dismissed, and I sort of dismiss it in a in a weird way where I'm just like I don't know it's horror like what's what you know it's like a cheap filmmaking you know whatever i don't know whatever bad thing i can say about it but quickly like i really learned a lot and then that one of the things about this podcast is like we take it really seriously like we really 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 try because of that we look really dumb half the time <laughs> what i like about it is i've always been like a uh, proponent of like doing something if one of my you know examples like i want to get into stand-up comedy is like you have to then go do five minutes at a open mic you can't read a book you know <laughs> you need to do it and so and that's the that's what we did with, with horror we're like we have to make a horror short film if we think you know we could do it we have to try it's a lot harder than i thought it would be <laughs> <laughs> well you've already mentioned an american werewolf in london which was on my show sheet to discuss mm. because i figured we were going to talk end up talking about like some of our favorites i had written that down already uh so that that's one of my favorites but there is a connection between horror and comedy. Can you tell us a little bit about that from your perspective? It's not as streamlined as I, as I would think it would be in terms of making a, a, a short film or making a horror film. But the obvious connection is the tension and release. You build tension, you build suspense, and then you release it in some way. And that's just, that's a joke. You do a thing and then you take a left turn and it's unexpected. And the whole jump scare deal with horror is, is unexpected. You know, an example that was given to us by one of our guests, which I think is a really just kind of streamlined way to describe it, a guy named Gary Michael Schultz. He said, like, well, you dig it, you know, you're digging in a grave looking for a, a body. You know, he's like going to pull out this zombie from from under the, the dirt. You pull it out, open the coffin, and it's empty. And then the zombie's behind you. That's a little left turn there in, in horror. That's almost a joke. I mean, you know, that's just how you that's just how you write a joke. Like it's it's the same thing. The challenge is is uh, the uh, the medium of film and how do you build suspense? That was one of our big question marks. How does this actually work in making films? I think comedy and horror are, are two sides of the same coin, which is why the subgenre of horror comedy is so so popular. Like there's so many great ones. Elaborate on that just a little bit more because I love the idea of 
the jump scare being akin to the delivery of a joke and and the misdirection. So what did you learn about the misdirection in horror that made it possible for you and your team to produce a moment like that? What are the elements within that misdirection for horror? In making our film, we were like, well, let's do you know, let's do a classic horror deal. So we set our film in a, in a cabin in the woods without getting too spoilery because we don't want to, don't want to give too much away, but we, we just tried to do these like classic bits of like, there's a noise, you know, we follow our character out. Then the noise is revealed to be not, not a scary thing, you know, so that the tension is released and then you're like, Oh, foo. But then that's, that's right where you're ripe to do the actual scare. So we tried that. And I've just looked at, um, a rough cut and the big takeaway was like this is not scary which is really interesting because i didn't think it would be immediately great but i was like oh this just doesn't work music is a huge part of it like we have to or you know scoring we have to put some like real you know guiding scoring to like help us you know tell us how to feel which is such a funny almost manipulative way to go about making anything like feel nervous now that's a big thing and then talking with the editor right when we're done here we're gonna try to figure out like why you know do we need a longer runway into the into the jump scare like it do we do we need to cut to a different you know some shot that we that we don't even know we have you know just like throw that in there like we have to like really open up and look at everything we've got to try to piece it together because it's a real puzzle um that you don't know until you're watching i mean i think you know filmmakers like good filmmakers have instincts there and they just know because they, they can just do it they're like well no we're gonna need this we're gonna need this but we don't so we have to look at it and then uh, make the corrections and it's a short film too right mm-hmm. how, how long is the film <laughs> it's too long it's, <laughs> we we talked to uh, eduardo sanchez who is the uh, co-creator of the blair witch project he was so generous but it with in one of his pieces of advice he was like oh every 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 time people ask me what, what i should do i say make make a short short film make it like three minutes so it can be in festivals. We're like, right, three minutes. Great. And then our cut came back and it was 15 minutes. <laughs> like, okay, we've got to cut most of it out. So we're going to, uh, we're going to shorten it, but I don't think we're going to get it to three minutes. There's no way. I think it'll, you know, we'll hope for 10. How long was the script? The script is nine pages or something like that. It was really surprising. It came back so long, but we did what we set out to do, which was these kind of like long kind of, you know, the takes are a bit longer than, than you would think, you know, just, just trying to build suspension in every, in every way we could. I think we just have to pare that down and really kill our babies and, you know, pick what we want. So Eduardo Sanchez, he said three minutes. Mm -hmm. Has he always felt that way? Or is it just like in the age of short attention spans? I might be misquoting it, but what he said was, if you want to get onto the festival circuit, they're more likely to pick these three-minute films. And the longer they are, like they have to be like the, the cream of the crop if they're going to do a longer one. So they'll do like a few really short ones, and they'll put like a kind of a banner longer film on. Also, because it's the age of TikTok and, and everything, he was like, and then you can also put it on social media, and it can just be there. People can just see it. You'll just have great amount of exposure. With our 15-minute thing, like, we put that on, and people are going to be like, no, thanks. <laughs> it's just, you know, they have to, like, go to it and watch it specifically on a on a platform. So, I don't know. I think that's why. There are a lot of different uh, scenarios that you can script out when you're writing your horror film. Curious why you all landed on the Cabin in the Woods. That came down to practicality. In talking about our fears, uh, one of the pieces of advice, again, from Eduardo, but also from a couple other people, they said, um, think about what scares you and, you know, go from there when you're writing your horror film, like what actually scares you. The things that scare me, like I would be so scared to be cave diving, you know, underwater cave diving, like, but I, we couldn't shoot <laughs> that, you know, anything that had like, like too big of a practical or or a, um, not even a practical, just too big of an effect. We were like, well, we, we can't really 
make a huge scary monster we don't have like the 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 resources we talked to a directing duo named adam stein and zap lepofsky who they're currently making final destination the next final destination i think here in vancouver they said make a list of everything you have that could possibly be used in your film because you know we have no money to do this it's very small budget they're like just just write just write down everything And, and as like successful filmmakers like who are make you know who make like you know major releases they still do that you know they're still like they have to think in these terms of like what can you actually um do and like so that's down to location that's that's everything you know like we were making a list and my co-host ryan was like it's like i have a cane sword i have a sword that can come out of a cane we're like we're gonna find a way to use that Uh, so not only do we want to do like a classic thing but it was just we're, we're in vancouver we could find a uh, you know, a, a forested area with with a with a cabin esque location. So we figured we could get that done. And I think it's great advice. Like if you want to make a little film, it, you know, it's not like the dream. It's not like I have a vision and I'm going to do that. Like that's one way of going about making a film. But if you want to like try something, I think it's a really interesting way to be like, okay, we want to do this certain thing. Let's see what we got, and then we can kind of you know tailor our our idea towards uh, what we can actually get done. I feel like we should talk a little bit about horror movies at large and uh big series maybe and we should just start with the classics like friday the 13th seeing that we're recording this on friday the 13th what are your feelings on that series uh those movies is there one that's better than the other any that are worse remakes what what are your thoughts i watched those movies when i was young like like not necessarily when right when they were coming out but it'd be like classic thing to rent i actually forgot that the first friday the 13th that jason's not in it right yeah like which is so funny spoiler yeah i mean i liked those those slasher movies growing up i remember i remember watching uh the second or third one with my stepdad and like you know i was like 10 or whatever we're all just like betting on who was gonna go next (laughs) you know i think with those types of films you know they're gruesome but it's all in this weird fun weird thing to say but you know i think you know everybody knows what they're in for and it's just like it's like like a kind of a roller coaster of like when's it gonna happen yeah they feed you characters to dislike intentionally so you can root for them to uh to get killed what's the one that's called freddy's dead and why was that a thing (laughs) do you know i think that was uh that might have been the fifth nightmare on elm street yeah, that might be that. that oh, that's not Jason. Right. That's, that's that's Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, I always get them confused. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, they did have a Freddy versus Jason movie yeah, they, too. Yeah, they <laughs> they fought in New York. Exactly. Or is that just Jason uh, in New York? Jason also took Manhattan. Yeah, the names are just so basic, too. <laughs> like, not a big Friday the Thirteenth fan, like in in the way of like you know huge fan of. But I did I did definitely watch those growing up. And I mean, you may as well talk about Friday, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Which was more my I, I was more of a Nightmare on Elm Street person. I don't I don't think you had to be in a camp. I don't think there was teams. It wasn't like a Coke and Pepsi thing. But I was just way, way. I really liked the the dreams, and I liked how creative they would get. You know, waking up in a waterbed like that that was always quite frightening. Do you remember that one? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's Johnny Depp, I believe. That's yeah, Johnny Depp. Yeah, and he he gets sucked into his bed, but then he's in the waterbed. They they pull the sheet off, and he's like in the mattress. Yeah, he's like kind of floating around there. Yeah. 
The premise of those movies, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, it was a news article that Wes Craven found. People were afraid to go to sleep. And then there was even a death, someone who was found dead. And so he kind of came up with the idea of this person who was burnt to death and then was torturing people in their dreams. You can't escape that. Like, I I love that because everyone... Mm -hmm needs to go to sleep you can't escape the villain but freddy is so goofy i feel like (laughs) like that part (laughs) took me out yeah i feel in the first one he's not goofy after the first one he turns into like a caricature he's like this hero i think maybe after the third it gets like kind of just absurd why does that happen i feel like that's a lot of those movies maybe it's just the era of those films too because they just they all turn into a, a parody of themselves and I guess it's because they're topping them. They're trying to top the last one or just kind of outdo it. It just gets too ridiculous. It's a weird thing where the villain kind of becomes the hero the longer mm-hmm. the, the series goes, you know, because yeah. it's the one character that is carried over from, <laughs> yeah. you know, that the people come back for, you know? So it's yeah. kind of a weird thing marketing wise. But the one that they made, and I've, I've talked to Lance about this, the one that they made, it's a new nightmare, I believe it's called. Wes Craven's even in it as himself. And the actress is plays herself and Robert Englund is himself and it's like a meta version of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street that is the only one that actually scares me and it actually terrifies it actually really does scare me to my core because it, it breaks down that fourth wall and you're left with it feeling like it's real which one's that? What that's called? The, the new nightmare? Yeah, ahead of its time too. It's from 1994. Yeah, yeah. I just I just found that 1994. So Robert England plays himself, who was also he's also plays Freddy Krueger, and Heather Langenkamp plays herself. Oh my gosh, it's clever. That's one for the list. I'm gonna watch that. That seems great. Does Robert England like dream about Freddy Krueger? Like he's wake up, he's like Freddy's gonna get me. <laughs> that <happen>? <laughs> <laughs> that's, I don't think so. I don't think I don't think that does happen. Yeah. Uh, well. <laughs> Maybe next time. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. And a thank you to our sponsors. Back to the program. We're in October. How do you feel about the Halloween series? Really good. We watched most of the first one as a rewatch just to like get into the frame of mind. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is obviously so great. That movie just seemed like, it just felt like they just like got a camera and just started shooting. There's obviously a lot of uh, craft and, you know, you know, great filmmaking there, but it just feels very pared down, which I liked. The Michael Myers mask is insane. Just such a weird choice that they, that seems like they were like on the set, like, I don't know this. Let's do this. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you even kind of said it when you said uh, people who start making a film, they have this dream or vision and it's like this thing that they, you know, have in their heads and this is what it's going to be. But the reality mm-hmm. is like so hard and dirty and long hours and there's so many variables that can just kill your shooting day. And I think that's yeah. why I love Halloween. And every time you watch it, it starts to become less of this is a scary movie and more of like a tutorial on how to make a movie and how to get away with mistakes that are so glaringly obvious but overlooked because your content is so good. Yeah. And because you went with your gut and you understood like my vision in the end isn't going to be the vision that I started with. Yeah. The mask, for example, you know, they found the William Shatner mask and painted it white because they needed Mm -hmm. a mask. Mm -hmm. If they had just been so set on the vision of what the killer would look like, that would never have happened. They just went with their gut and said, "Okay, well, just do what we got to do to make this happen. This feels right. Even the title, you know, was supposed to be like the babysitter murders or something like that. 
Oh yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. And then they yeah. changed it to Halloween. This movie yeah. would never be talked about if it was called the yeah. Babysitter Murders in the way it's <laughs> talked about now. The music, the Halloween like that is just the most perfect horror soundtrack you could what it the motif, I guess. It just it's amazing. It's yeah. so good. And John Carpenter was probably just like, let me tool around on the keyboard for a little bit. Yeah, and I have two notes. Let's I've see t- what I can do with them. <laughs> I have two notes. Hopefully, I'll put them in the right order. Hopefully, this will hopefully this will work, and it did. But no, you're right. You're hitting on something there, like the simplicity of the notes in mm-hmm. that that theme, the Halloween theme, and really that story is very simple. It's about a guy who really doesn't have much backstory. Like we we know a little bit about how he got where he got. We know what happened from the first scene when he was a kid, but we don't know why he killed his sister, and we never learn that. Right, right. Yeah, there's something that's unnerving there about evil, I guess. It's almost it's almost like a truth about humanity that's stuck into the movie Halloween. We had a guest on, I think it was Matt Gorley, who t- he went through the whole chronology and then like what's canon and what's not of Halloween. And it's very confusing. Like there's Halloween and then the second one was like, okay, this is happening. And then the, and then the third and fourth ones were like, they threw a bunch of stuff out the door and then they came back and then like the remakes now are only or the re or the reimagined versions now are only um allowing for the first film to be canon (laughs) like like but they don't take it do you know this can you take us through it? Well, yeah, I mean, we've <laughs> talked about this before. It's it's super impressive that a an extremely low budget horror movie can be produced and made and be a wild success. And then the sequel is like the continuations, literally the same night. The third one, so here's the first like reinvention. So Michael Myers is out. It's a completely different story about this image on the television that's broadcast to children to make them into maniacs. There's no Michael Myers. And then you wait like 10 years from the original. So in 88, they come up with the fourth one, which is a continuation of Michael Myers. And then a bunch of bad sequels follow. And then there's a reboot with uh, Rob Zombie. So the first Rob Zombie Halloween is actually quite good. It really is. Yeah. Then the second one's garbage. You wait a bunch of time and then you have the second reboot to it. So I don't know, Tim, would you say that Halloween 4... The original one was a reboot because they needed to reboot the story. No, I wouldn't call that a reboot. Yeah, I think that's just a sequel that uh, they kind of they did skip Michael Myers in part three, so he's just kind of not there. It's, it's a weird weird take in part three, but <laughs> four and five are also kind of weird. There is those are the Daniel Harris ones where she's like a little kid and has like the connection with them, the telepathic connection with Michael Myers. Whole storyline is terrible. The first new one was really good. The second two. Halloween kills and Halloween ends no good first Rob Zombie very good but I th- you have to throw out that one if you're trying to like get the actual order of movies you know <laughs> oh yeah. I totally forgot yeah. about the uh, the the Halloween H2O where they bring Jamie Lee Curtis back right which was after was all of the good. bad sequels to the original and then they were like yeah. well let's I don't want to say reboot but let's breathe new life into this by bringing Laurie Strode back then it was almost like, okay, well, the story's coming full circle. They killed her in like the the one after H two O too. Like, uh, I I feel Did like they? she was she was dropped off like the asylum roof. I, I feel like in, oh, in one of those movies. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still impressive to me that they that you could just keep redoing it. 
I know. And no one cares. Like everyone just wants to see like a different version of, of a similar story like Batman, you know, all the superheroes gets rebooted. No one. Spider-Man is, is like the greatest example of that because there's so many new versions of that in the past like 20 years, just different visions of the same kind of idea. How do you keep track of like the titles of the Halloween films are so great because they're so confusing. You don't know which one <laughs> came. It's like kind of like the Fast and Furious where you're like, what's the fifth one? Fast five? <laughs> uh and how you know the xbox game console didn't ever figure out the number there anyway i'm off topic but uh. you know what my dream is hmm. in in the original halloween dr loomis is taken to the graveyard for some reason so this is why this movie is brilliant no hmm. reason for dr loomis to go to the graveyard to see the grave of the sister that michael killed michael might be there he might be there <laughs> <laughs> They're walking through the graveyard and he's got the like the groundskeeper and he says something to the effect of, oh, something like this happens in every town every like every so often or once in a generation. And he starts talking about this guy, Charlie Boyles, and he goes back in s some town. Charlie Boyles went into the house, kissed his wife and kids, went out to the garage, took a hacksaw and proceeded to. And then Dr. Loomis interrupts him. And my dream is to make the movie of what Charlie Boyle did that night. And it's like an <laughs> cool, offshoot, yeah. like Halloween yeah. universe movie. That part, since the first time I ever watched it, bugged me more than anything in that movie. I'm like, I want to know what Charlie Boyle's did. <laughs> yeah, why did he get interrupted? Why can't we hear the rest of the... Yeah, that I know. great. <laughs> Let's make that movie. Dr. Loomis was so rude, too. He was like, are we there? <laughs> <laughs> um, I know I don't want to get off topic, but and I, I know American Werewolf in London is on your list. One of my favorite things about an American Werewolf in London, a doctor starts to become a detective for no like why does that happen? He like he's like, hmm, I have this patient who seems to be a werewolf. I'll go into town and I'll discuss it with some people. He like goes to the pub, he like orders a beer, doesn't drive it always bugged me that he like orders his like full like Guinness or like dark ale or whatever. He just like sits it on the on the bar and he's like asks a couple of questions. And then he leaves the beer fully, you know, full. And then, like, he chases a guy. And he's like, why is this, like, doctor who's, like, got patience? He's, like, got stuff to do. He's, like, driven miles outside of, of, his, of his jurisdiction. Anyway. The answer is because no one else is going to make that connection, Mark. Yeah. And the police that they have in, Amer in an American werewolf in London are kind of a bumbling duo. One of them is, is a very funny goofball sidekick who's like falling and the other guy is all mad at him every time. But, what, but that's Frank Oz, right? That's... Uh, oh, you're... Is, is that Frank Oz who plays the... Uh... Frank Oz is either the... I think he's the one that knocks over the bedpans, I think. Right. I think you're right, yes. They're useless. So the doctor and then, of course, the girlfriend nurse have to like be the, the ones to figure out that he's killing people. Anyway, if you haven't if you haven't seen this movie, audience, uh, catch up. It's really great. One thing about that movie that scared me, the nightmare scene. Oh, that's the scariest part of the movie. Oh, incredible. It, it's a double one. So like he he's at home and he's watching TV with his family. He has like little brothers. Like there's kind of a big age gap between the main character who's like in his early 20s. And uh, David his, like, Kessler. Yeah, he's so good. And like he, he has these two like little siblings and they're watching TV and then the doors break down and the guys with masks start oozying. They have Uzis, start machine gunning down the, the whole family and like and then they hold his eyes open to watch as his family is massacred. Then he wakes up in his hospital bed and he's like, oh God, 
and the nurse comes in. It's like, are you okay? And then a guy jumps in the window and stabs her. And like, and then he wakes up and he's like, and it's funny. The, like when he wakes up the second time, it's because that part's so scary. He wakes up and he goes, he goes, holy shit. And he's like, it's just so good. It's so real. Oh my God. The, those scenes are great because they're building dread. Yeah. In, in that movie. You know, they don't actually go anywhere. The, all they're doing is just creating a, a feeling of uneasiness for the audience. Yeah. And I like how he didn't dream about wolves. He didn't dream about like, you know, becoming, I mean, he does have this kind of like funny dream where he's like running naked through the forest and he catches a deer. It's like off genre dream about like just this like machine guns and stuff, just like absolutely like just, and it felt like a real, I've had dreams like that where you're just like, oh, it's, why is this? unending nightmare they used to run that movie on comedy central in the early days of comedy central do you i don't know if you guys remember that but going way back yeah because it is funny but it's like i made us watch the transformation scene where he turns into the werewolf because there's it's it stands up and it stands up so well today john landis who did he then did thriller using like the same techniques and stuff to you know, not as great effect, I think. But in the in an American Werewolf in London, like when I was little, I wanted to be, go into stop motion animation, and I wanted to do that kind of makeup effect. That's what I wanted. I was like, why would anybody else not want to do this? This is like the most fun. I didn't end up following that path, but so good. I love the shot that they included of is it Mickey Mouse watching the yeah. transformation? It's yeah. like a little statue of uh, Mickey Mouse. It's this hilarious like editing joke. It's it's nothing more than like this. Yeah this like little laugh this editing laugh i also wonder because i that was that really stuck out to me as a kid when i was watching this movie and i was and i also wondered if it was like they needed obviously something to, to turn to like that so they you know they, they probably clearly just shot a bunch of stuff in the room and like that mickey mouse is the is the best one because it's just this cute little doll just like eh. but like it yeah they they needed to like pan away from from what was happening so they could reposition for whatever but yeah it's a it's a fun shot and we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. As a younger person, I remember watching American Werewolf and really understanding like the horror and comedy of it and, and knowing it was okay to laugh at certain parts. And it's funny you were saying if there's anybody out there who hasn't seen this movie and we're talking about it's a comedy and then you describe a scene where the, they're watching yeah. TV and these people <laughs> with these masks like come in and oozy the family. Oh, don't yeah. worry. It's a comedy though. I remember watching that and understanding the balance there and feeling good about it. Like feeling good mm -hmm. about watching it and not feeling like if I were to go in the woods a werewolf would be there not that imminent danger the way that Jaws would present to people and then I don't even know if we rented it or if it was on TV but I remembered seeing like a couple of scenes from the Wicker Man the early Edward Woodward one it had a similar feel as a kid watching like the trailer or a scene or something from it right because it had that similar feel like a like a small like Hamlet type town so I thought it was going to be that same type of horror comedy and yeah. then as a kid i watched the wicker man it is it, it i don't know if like coming from like this isn't a horror comedy at all it, and not even seeing like any blood but it, like being introduced to that like awful dread feeling it was just so like huge and in, in yeah like shaping the way i i view uh, or even like create anything, you know, like yeah. that, that was uh, impressive to me. But anyway, super long way to say like, where are you going with the, with the cabin one? Are you going for that? Like evil dead or are you going for that wicker man? As we were, as we were writing, we were like, well, let's not make it a horror comedy, but let's let uh, moments of levity like, like happen. So we, ha we allow for like just a couple little, like 
light things. And the whole beginning, without giving it away, the, there's like a, a pretty hilarious start to why our character is like goes to this cabin in the woods. So like over the top, funny, just off the top. And then it gets into a, kind of a, a more serious, tense kind of deal with, with little moments. Of all the genres, like the horror comedy genre, like, you know, Shaun of the Dead, kind of a gold standard, you know, zombie, funny zombie movie. Like that's like funny people being funny in a horrific you know, with like lots of blood, but it's like funny throughout. And like in American Werewolf in London, which is also a horror comedy is like, it's way more horror than comedy, but it's just like, there's just light. Like the, the main characters are like, you know, they're like, they have senses of humor, (laughs) but you know, and there's like bits, but it's like, it's not the same world. Those are two different, very different types of horror comedy. So in ours, you know, I, I think it was, I think it would just be like psychological horror, with you know moments of i don't think i'd even put it in a comedy slot and you just mentioned Shaun of the dead and it reminded me of a quick article that i read and i'm not going to try to go through it in detail because i don't really remember but if you just google Shaun of the dead things to do in the beginning of that movie they talk about exactly what they're going to do today and it's like we're going to hit this pub we're going to do this we're going to do this and if you take it in the context of the zombie killing and everything that does happen they technically still do everything that they said <laughs> oh, they were cool. going to do look into that cuz it's really fun because yeah. it just shows how smart the script was yeah yeah oh that's that's great i love that stuff i love that kind of rewatch kind of a game you can do what else is coming up after let's make a horror have you guys chosen another genre Oh, I don't know. You can help us think of this. Um, I, I'm really, uh, I'm really, if, you know, this is all in success and if we, if we get to keep doing this fun show, but I would, um, I want to do a game show. (laughs) I think game shows like, and I'm talking classic, classic game show price is right style. Like what, you know, I I guess, you know, up to like who wants to be a millionaire million, you know, all the, you know, that kind of stuff, not quite reality series kind of like dating show, but like, classic game show would be fun and then we could even get out of the you know film and tv space and like dude let's make a role-playing game let's make a bridge no we couldn't really do that but (laughs) 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 it really is it's like taking like this mini master class like we, we get to talk to so many like really great people and because we're you know, we're, you know, doing this like earnest attempt, we get like real advice and it's really exciting. I love it. You know, I was going to make a joke. And then the more I thought about it, the more I would think like this could be very, very interesting is if you did one, let's make an adult film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I mean, right. Is, you start laughing. Yeah. I, I was like laughing when I was thinking about it. And yeah. then I was like, mm-hmm. oh, well, that could actually be super interesting. Yeah. That, I mean, and then like to just talk to people in the in the field would be, you know, that would be really interesting. That's the thing about about any kind of art form too. It's like there's they they're all deeper than you than you might imagine, or like the places they go are just really really interesting. I say soap opera though. I think that would be fun for you guys. Are soap operas a thing still? Like, can you like like in the eighties? I'd you know I'd watch TV, and if I was homesick, I could, I had to watch Days of Our Lives, or there was nothing else I could <laughs> like. It's like is that still like are there still is that still a thing? I'm pretty That's a great sure. Question. I think yeah. So. yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess sure. network TV. I mean, network TV is still a thing, so there's probably daytime stuff. But you just don't see like the, you don't stream soap operas, right? <laughs> like <laughs> no, how have they don't. how have they lived in the uh, in the in this new in the golden age of TV? I don't know. Uh, soap opera would be fun though. Like uh, as an improviser, that's always like a fun thing to do. Is like do a you know do a live new soap opera with like. 
fun characters. It's a it's a fun genre for sure. Really fun to make fun of though. That's that's the danger. It's like how do you how do you <laughs> yeah. keep it, you know, how do you keep it real? Grounded. Yeah. I think we'll go, you know, in that direction, like try to think of something that's not we we might do another film, you know, like I really like um like action adventure, you know, like, you know, classic action film, thrillers, too close to horror probably, but um I that's my favorite one of my favorite genres to watch is just straight thriller, plot driven, what's going to happen kind of stuff. I love that. Where's the line for you between thriller and horror? And what's what's a good uh what's one of your go-tos for thrillers? The line is interesting. We we interviewed um Gillian Flynn who wrote Gone Girl and uh, Sharp Objects. And Sharp Objects is that as the the series, I don't know if you've seen it, but it it dips pretty heavily into horror. Um just there's like really horrific elements. There's like a monster or there's like a witch or something and like there's human teeth as a part of like i don't remember there's like horrific stuff and then gone girl i think is like pretty much a thriller i don't know i mean i don't like what would you call no country for old men aside from a western is it a thriller because that's my i think that's my favorite movie so i like that type of stuff you know i like like these like really rich characters like weird left turns you know you kind of know what the what, what what's what they're going for but there's also these like meandery kind of like human uh, desires that kind of you know change this the, the the line of action like i really that's like in my opinion just kind of the best type of filmmaking it's so great yeah i would say it's a thriller but a lot of horror crossover yeah and uh, cormac mccarthy like you know the road that's a i mean that's a horror movie but it's like it, it's all it's like i don't know what that is it's one of the most depressing <laughs> like, yeah, it's so depressing yeah yeah. Or something. yeah 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 <laughs> he's not afraid to go places yeah have you read no country for old men it's it's even more depressing than the movie well the main the tommy lee jones character in the in the book is so is is, is a bit more you know richly thought out in the in the in the in the book and he's like he's he's the real voice and it's so good one of my big questions in making it was uh, uh, any writer that we talked to, I'd be like, how do you allow yourself to go there? Because you read these things, they, they've, they've come out of a person's brain and, you know, they've put it on paper. Like, I, I wrote this. This is from my brain. I've, I I thought of this horrific situation. Feels like almost embarrassing or like, or, you know, exposing to write that kind of stuff. And like, I, and I, w- I think that's great writing. I think like you have to, you have to go there. But it was a real. I I was really interested in that, and and most of, most people would say like, yeah, like I think Gillian Flynn was like, I think you just write everything you can, and then you know, and then edit later, you know, just if you feel like it's not working, but you just have to let yourself write this stuff. Cormac McCarthy's a great example of that. I mean, he's obviously a genius. So. <laughs> let me ask this question about No Country: If they had cut the Tommy Lee Jones character from the movie, is it then a horror movie? <laughs> maybe yeah <laughs> it could be more of an action movie at that point. yeah be more of an yeah yeah well it's almost it's almost like a slasher movie yeah 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 there's so yeah with the, with like just a killer yeah just like a guy just kill, killing people with his crazy weapon with his stud <laughs> air-powered stud thing <laughs> like his cattle thing what is that called i don't know it doesn't matter yeah but it, like that's like but that's like that is like if a horror, if somebody was trying to like make a horror movie and they came up with that with sugar, that that character, that's a perfect horror villain. He's doing nothing less than what Michael Myers did, and he yeah, represents yeah. exactly what Michael Myers represented in Halloween, which yeah. is like 
delivered to you on a platter when Jamie Lee Curtis is in the classroom and she's listening to the lecture on fate and how fate mm-hmm. is immovable yes. and you can't stop fate. And that's exactly what No Country that's for Old Men exactly is. Exactly what he does. That's what they're talking about at the end, which is yeah. which He's is you can have a unstoppable force. Yeah. You mm-hmm. can have a whole plan for yourself, but you have no idea the thing that's out there that will flip a coin and determine everything for you. Yeah. And the coin that doesn't matter either. It just happens to be an object that has yeah. two sides. And that's what life is. I love that. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great, uh, you, you really, you really tied it all together for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Mark, this has been a, uh, a really great conversation here today. Thanks for, uh, for hanging out with us. Thank you both for having me and allowing me to be in your show i really appreciate it and uh yeah it's been really fun awesome yeah keep up the good work with the show it's awesome uh obviously we'll point everybody to it and when you uh come back with uh you know let's make a bridge or let's make a (laughs) adult film or whatever it is the next one uh let us know because you're uh more than welcome to come back on oh thanks so much you guys i really appreciate it 